Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Here's a fact about me that you may not know and that you definitely didn't ask for. I had zero desire to be a leader within a church, let alone a pastor. I did not want the responsibility. In fact, I've always had battles with insecurity and my lack of qualification to be in a pastoral role. You see, I came from a faith tradition where many people desire the role of a leader or pastor in the church. It was often a whole ceremony and a big deal to be ordained a pastor. They'd pour oil all over your head like you were a basket of chicken ready to hit the fryer. Then everyone would dress in robes, fancy suits, shiny shoes, and wear those shirts with the clerical thingy, you know what I'm talking about? And a lot of people wanted this. They wanted the position of a recognized leader in the church, and I hated it. So to be honest with you guys, when I felt called by God uh, to plant the church, I wrestled a lot with that calling. I did not want to be a pastor or to be called a pastor. Till this day, I cringe a little when I'm called a pastor just because I have PTSD about it, I guess. Uh, By the way, I don't bring this up to knock the tradition that I come from, but to make a point about what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're talking about another person mentioned by Paul in his letter to the church in Philippi. Last week, we spoke about Timothy, who was a young leader who was mentored and trained up by Paul. He would eventually step into the role of a pastor. And by the way, if you missed last week or if you want to listen to what we spoke about Timothy, go ahead and watch it on YouTube or you can listen to the podcast so that you can go ahead and catch up. Today, we're going to be introduced to another character, and his name is Epaphroditus. Okay, and here's what you need to know about this particular guy. He was initially sent by the Philippian church to Paul to deliver a care package for Paul during uh, this moment of house arrest. He sent as a messenger of encouragement into Paul's trying time of incarceration. And while he's there, he goes above and beyond the call of duty and becomes a real source of encouragement and like a brother to Paul. He would be the one to eventually deliver this letter that we're reading uh, to the church in Philippi, which means that no doubt Paul had a ton of confidence and trust in him. And what's interesting is that Epaphroditus is not a church leader to the degree that Timothy is. He's not a pastor or an elder. He's not a paid staff at a church or a full-time missionary. However, in this passage, Paul still calls the church in Philippi to honor him. Remember that in this section in Paul's letter, he's transitioned from calling people to live as citizens of heaven with lives worthy of the gospel to examples of people living that out. And our boy Epaphroditus is listed as one such example. And here's the thing, guys, you can write this down. Leadership is not a position you acquire, but a calling you step into. Leadership has nothing to do with the title that is in front of your name. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people mistakenly want, to be called a pastor, to be called an elder, a bishop, an apostle, a reverend, a doctor, or whatever. By the way, I'm not saying that we disrespect or dishonor people that aren't in uh, genuine church leadership. What I am saying is that many times our motives are off and we're mistaken. Leadership is not a position, but a calling. And guess who's called? 
all of us. We're all called to be leaders. Remember that Paul is listing Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples to follow, examples to emulate and to mimic. How might that change the dynamic of our church if we all viewed ourselves as leaders? How might that change the dynamic of our homes if this was our perspective? What about our jobs or in our schools or on the block? What I'm trying to get you all to understand is that the call to being fully devoted followers of Christ, that the evidence of the gospel taking root in our lives, that living as citizens of heaven worthy of the gospel is a call to leadership. It's a call to, if you guys remember what we said a few weeks ago, to shine bright like stars, to shine brightly in darkness. Another way you can say this is as we look at the example of Epaphroditus, who was just a normal guy, no religious hat, no suit and tie, no doctor or rev in front of his name, is this, and you can write this down as well. Leadership is not for the select few, but for the collective some, S-U-M. We have to break this idea of elevating certain leaders on a pedestal. Yes, the pastoral call is not for everyone. Neither is the call to full-time ministry. In fact, you probably serve the gospel better in the pockets of life where you're stationed now more than a staff position at a church. And of course, we honor those who have stepped up to the call of pastoral leadership or leadership within the context of the local church. Those people are held to a high standard. In fact, the Bible says that teachers of the word, guys like me, will be judged more strictly. However, whenever in the scriptures you read the qualifications of a biblical leader, it's always a call to everyone else to also follow. And so for some, it becomes a cop-out. Dude, this living worthy of, of the gospel deal, that's for them professional Christians, you know? And I'm not one, so I can go ahead and just do what about I want. But leadership is not for the select few, but it's a call to the collective some. Meaning if we all stepped up to the plate to serve as leaders, to follow the example of guys like Epaphroditus, man, listen to me, we would turn the world upside down. Real quick, because this has been a really long intro, but I thought this was too amazing of a detail to leave out. Epaphroditus' name has pagan roots, and his name means belonging to Aphrodite. To the ancient Greeks, she was the goddess of love and fertility, meaning that Epaphroditus more than likely came from a pagan household who would have worshipped pagan gods. That is, until the one true God got a hold of his heart. And this is a beautiful example to us, that God can save someone who is heading in the absolute opposite direction and then set them apart for gospel ministry. Some of you came in here today and maybe you even hear this call to leadership and you think to yourself, yo, my past is just too janky. I've done messed up too much and there's no way God could ever use someone like me. Nothing could be further from the truth. And Epaphroditus is one such example. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, where Paul describes the character and the sort of relationship that he had with Epaphroditus. Here's what it reads. It says the following, verse 25. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Paul's description of Epaphroditus is interesting. Let's take a look at each of these parts. First, he calls him brother. Paul calls our boy Epaph a brother, showing us the type of relationship that he has with him. He's more than an acquaintance, more than a respectable person, more than a friend, really. He says he's more like family. 
In other words, this guy so overextended himself and went above and beyond the call of duty that he made himself like a brother to Paul. This reminds me of a passage in Proverbs which says this. In fact, why don't you read this out loud with me? There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. The call to godly leadership is a call to treat and serve those within your church family as just that, family. And this is especially relevant in a community like ours, where the need for family and community is so important. Paul also calls him a co-worker, meaning Epaphroditus is co-working, co-laboring, coming alongside of Paul with the same mission and mindset. There's unity. There's a oneness in the gospel and mission. A godly leader co-labors for the mission because we have the same goal, to expand the kingdom of God and to make Jesus famous, for the gospel to saturate our city. Can that be said of you? Or do you enjoy debate and dissension? Do you thrive off of disagreement and arguments? Because that's not what a godly leader does. A godly leader co-works and co-labors for the gospel. We fight for unity. We work together for one mission and one purpose. Paul says Epaphroditus is a soldier, meaning that Epaphroditus doesn't bail when times get tough. In fact, if you continue to read the passage, you'll realize that he actually gets deathly ill, but he still continues to serve Paul and fulfill his God-given mission. Now, that's a soldier if I've ever seen one, one who faces adversity but refuses to give up. No lightweights here, no pushovers here. Are you a soldier? Godly leaders are soldiers, warriors, Vikings, whatever analogy you like. Soldiers head towards battle, not cowered away from it. We can't be flaky leaders where at every bump in the road, we retreat, we give up, we turn in, we roll up into the fetal position and cry. Epaphroditus was sick to the point of death. Not a headache, not a stomach ache, not hangry, all right? He was sick to the point of death, but was a soldier and pulled through and accomplished the mission. Paul calls Epaphroditus a messenger. Remember what? Uh, remember, remember that the reason Epaphroditus is with Paul is because he's delivering a care package on behalf of the Philippian church to care for Paul in his distress. This means that he's also a trustworthy person. The Philippian church trusted him to deliver the package and the greetings, not to run off of whatever resources they gave him for Paul. By the way, guys, this was before phone tracking or find my friends or sharing your location, right? In return, Paul considers him trustworthy to deliver this letter, the very letter that we're reading today, to the Philippian church. Not that he's going to lose it or manipulate it or twist what was written to lead people astray. And guys, godly leaders are trustworthy. Are you a trustworthy person? Are you a person of your word? Or do you make promises that you cannot keep? Do you flake out and cancel plans? Compromise yourself for something and then not show up? Because a godly leader is trustworthy. They can be counted on. Their yes is yes and their no is no. And lastly, Paul describes him as a minister. A minister is simply someone who serves or meets the needs of another. And that's what Paul describes him doing despite being deathly ill. He still considered others' needs more important than his own, as we read earlier in Philippians. Godly leaders are able to not only identify needs, but meet them. 
A person without leadership is able to identify that the floor is dirty. A leader picks up the broom to sweep it. A person without leadership can identify that the, the room is hot, but a leader will crack open the window or turn the AC on. A person without leadership can identify that there's not enough seats in the room. A leader will pull out some extra chairs or show someone towards an available seat, or better yet, give up their own seat. Are you a minister? Someone who is not only able to identify needs, but able to meet them, even if it means your own discomfort. This is how Paul describes Epaphroditus. So here's what we know. Paul is about to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi to deliver this message. So how is one to treat such a person? How is the church to treat uh, this guy, regular old Epaph? Well, here's what Paul says, and we'll round out our time with these two thoughts. The first is this. You could write this down. Godly leadership is worthy of honor. Here's what Paul writes in verse 29. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor. Honor means to hold in high respect, regard, and esteem. In other words, to celebrate this person for their work and sacrifice because it is obvious that he's a proven godly leader. Respect him. Celebrate the evidence of the gospel taking root in his life. But I think it also invites us to acknowledge that because he is honorable, he's someone worth following. He's someone worth mimicking that example. And so we should also aspire to be worthy of honor. So when you meet someone who is a godly leader, listen, they're worthy of honor. They're worthy to be celebrated, to be commended, to be congratulated. Not in a way where we esteem them to a greater position than Christ. Unfortunately, many other religions have done just that of people, of man. But we do respect and honor. And this means we don't gossip behind their back. We don't complain about the areas of their life where they lack. We don't bash or belittle. We show honor. Are you a godly leader that's worthy of honor? Can that be said of you? Can we say, man, let's celebrate how God is moving in and using uh, this person and follow their lead and follow their example because without a doubt, they'll draw you closer to Jesus. Who are the people in your life that have showcased to you godly leadership and, who can, and how can you show them honor? Second and last thing for today, you can write this down. Godly leadership requires sacrifice. No matter how you slice it, this is an absolutely important part of leadership. Leadership, guys, is not about sitting on a throne, getting grapes hand-fed to you and your shoes polished. Uh, leadership is not a platform. It's not an audience, not applause. It's not fanfare. Listen to me. Leadership is sacrifice. And Paul says of Epaphroditus this, Therefore welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Guys, Epaphroditus literally sacrificed his life to serve Paul and for the greater good of the Philippian church. During his journey, he becomes deathly ill. So much so that the people in Philippi catch wind of it and they become concerned. But this is something that is celebrated in the life of Epaphroditus. And it takes on the example of Jesus. 
who the Bible says, if you guys remember, because of the joy waiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. We don't have much concept of suffering because most of us, let's be honest, we go around trying to avoid suffering at all costs. However, it's a loss because unfortunately, suffering is a part of life, guys. And a part of godly leadership is enduring suffering, developing a theology of suffering, and ultimately persevering over it for the good of the gospel and the glory of God. Consider this verse in the context of godly leadership requiring sacrifice. Jesus once said this in Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Wait a second. The cross? That the one symbol of sacrifice, of pain, of humility, of torture, of scorn, and death. Yes, that's the call to follow Jesus, and that's the call to leadership. To deny oneself, which means to deny our selfish needs, desires, wants, and to ultimately surrender it all to follow Jesus. And no one modeled this more perfectly than Jesus himself. As we read on Easter Sunday, I don't know if you guys remember this, in the beginning of Philippians chapter 2, says this, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus, the humble servant, set his face towards the cross and endured it. He sacrificed himself. The Bible says that no one took his life from him. He willingly laid it down. Why? For you. He did it for me. He did it as a demonstration of the depths, the length, the width, and the breadth of God's love for you and me. Because our sinfulness and waywardness forever created a chasm between us and God. But God is so deeply and madly in love with you that he couldn't stand to have you away from him. So love came down and rescued us. Jesus with a mighty demonstration of leadership. Not the world's view of leadership, but an upside down kingdom leadership. Sacrifices life on our behalf. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's the bill that you and I owe for our sin. But Jesus steps in and pays the sin debt that we owed. Not only does he shed his blood and surrender his life as the atonement for our sin, but on the third day, he conquers Satan, sin, and death. And because he's such a great leader, he bursts out of the grave to give us a picture of what one day will be true for everyone who's in Christ. And because he lives, we have forgiveness of sin, new life, and our eternity is secured. And guys, this is true for everyone and anyone who would follow Jesus' leadership. It's by accepting God's free gift of grace made available in Jesus. And if you're here today and you haven't done so, what are you waiting for? Put your faith in Jesus today. And so God, I just pray that you would help us to step into the calling of leadership. Help us hear your call. Help us respond to your call. Help us submit and surrender to the call of leadership. God, I pray that you would help us to see that we are all called to be godly leaders, that this isn't just something for the select few. And I pray, God, that we might be a church that honors those that you've placed into leadership, that we may honor one another as we walk into leadership. And I pray, God, that you would empower us to embrace the sacrifice necessary to lead, not to run away or to cower in fear, but like Christ, 
to have the strength in Christ to lead. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?